body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. I'm Erin Davis, and here on Catch My Drift, we discuss sleep, but we're not trying to put you to sleep. That happens tonight with our Drift Stories, made possible by Envy Pillow, my sleeping beauty for over 20 years. The Canadian-designed copper-infused Envy Pillow aligns your spine and neck and prevents those lines that sleeping on our face brings. EnvyPillow.com. No. This chat is fascinating, I promise you, as we're joined again by world-renowned educator and author of the book on pediatric sleep, Sleeping Through the Night, How Infants, Toddlers, and Their Parents Can Get a Good Night's Sleep. In part two of our four-part chat with Dr. Jody Mendel, why breastfed babies awaken more often and other widely asked questions, plus how common are sleep problems in children anyway? Dr. Mindell, Jody, your book takes what you describe as a moderate and evidence-based approach based on research, but not ideological or dogmatic. So tell me how your message varies, and obviously it's resonating now that your book is in its fourth edition, as opposed to so many of the messages out there on the internet, which we discussed in our first chat, and other books. What makes you different? You know, I am all about being middle of the road and about balance and about families making decisions for themselves of what works best for them as parents and also what works for their that specific baby. Even when you have twins, one baby is different than the other and what works with one may not work with the other. And so my goal is really to give parents the information and the education to develop a plan that's going to work for them. Kind of like choose your own adventure with the ultimate goal always being to help that family solve an issue. Because baby sleep is family sleep, isn't it? The the reverberations are endless. Can you go into that a little bit about how sleep training and, and you know, getting a baby into a schedule really does have effects for everyone in the household? I feel very sad when I often um, hear from families who feel so guilty about possibly doing sleep training or being frustrated that their baby is not sleeping. Doing sleep training is not a selfish act. It's not that what's going to happen is your baby's going to go to bed and now you're going to be like eating bonbons and, you know, watching Netflix. What you're really doing is helping everyone to be their best. A tired parent cannot be their best parent, right? If you're tired, you're not going to want to be sitting there playing it and, you know, singing the same song for the 30th time, right? Mm. You still got to have that, you know, enthusiasm for it. Um, I worry about safety, right? Tired parents, much more higher risk of things like drowsy driving accidents or making other mistakes. This is something that's really important for the baby, 
and that the better the parent is, the better the baby is. The other thing is a baby waking up three times per night probably feels a bit as lousy the next day as a parent waking up three times per night. We don't really have the data. It's very hard to test six-month-olds and say, you know, are you crankier because you didn't sleep last night? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no question about it. What we find is, and all of the research shows, that babies, once sleep training happens, the babies are better off, attachment is better, all of those things, and the parents are absolutely better off. Is it safe to say that parents, and of course humans in general, want the path of least resistance, and if it's going to save us a lot of heartache and crying, I mean, that's us and the child, we tend to want to go in that direction. That's why we keep going back into the nursery, or you see the baby in the monitors awake, and you know that there's going to be upset, so you just go and try and mitigate that before it happens. It's so hard not to answer the cries, so tell us that it ends. It does. It ends. It always ends. It's so hard. You know, first of all, we're physiologically wired to respond to a crying baby. And there's be some really amazing studies that were done out of Israel where they took parents and they even took like college students and they would show them this incredible video of a little baby. He was about six months old and he was totally fine and he couldn't reach a toy and he's crying. Right. So the toy is just like, you know, uh, six inches out of his reach. And we they those studies looked at how quickly were you ready to jump in and help that baby? Obviously, the baby's totally fine. He's just frustrated. And you can see these individual differences in how quickly people react to that. The other thing is, especially when it comes to sleep, you know, you want the short-term solution. Like, I just want to get back to sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. I just want it to end. But the thing is, what we try to help families do is go for the long-term solution, is you may have a difficult one night, two nights, three nights, maybe even for the most persistent baby, a week, but then things are going to be so much better for everyone. There's also, I know, it's great. There's (laughs) also, you know, another thing about, there seems to be a lot of, sort of emotional attachment around sleep. So if your child was in the back seat in their car seat and you were heading to grandma's house or the doctor's office or wherever and they start crying, you're kind of like, you know what? I'm really sorry, but there's nothing I can do. You got to be in your car seat and you just keep going. There's something about sleep. You know, we all have this image during pregnancy of this wonderful time in the evening and you're going to be snuggling and you're on the rocking chair and there's lullabies going and it's all just this really warm, cozy feeling. And that's not always the reality. But so it sort of tugs at our our emotions, I think, in a way that's different than your child crying because they can't touch the stove, you won't let them, or you're crying because they can't, they want to get out of their car seat. There's just something else about it. That is such a great analogy. When the baby is crying and you know that there's not a problem, that you're going through sleep training, just kind of picture them in the car seat. There's nothing I can do. Mommy's driving. We're going to be there. And you're just going to have to, we're going to have to go through this for a little bit. I think that's really, really valuable. And I think once parents realize that this is for the good of all, and I would say most of the time parents are so surprised, it goes much better than they ever expected. And they're like, why didn't I do this before? Like, Mm. why did I wait for a year? Um, It usually goes much better. Now, are there situations where we don't want sleep training to occur? Of course there are. This is, again, not a one-size-fits-all. So if there's been trauma, if it's a, a foster child who's been in a really difficult situation, 
you know, at those times, we do not want those things to happen. Children with medical conditions. So, And that's why it's really important, again, to think about what's right for this child and this family at this moment. Of course, one of the hallmarks, the milestones of a baby's growth is teething. What can you do to kind of soften the blow of what teething might do to sleep training, doctor? So teething, of course, is pain, and we don't want babies in pain. And so you do want to, you know, talk to your healthcare provider about, you know, what is it that I can give um, this baby to help them. But, you know, as we joke, babies babies are teething from whatever age for the next year and a half. Like if you wait for teething to go by, you're going to be waiting a really, really long time. Good point. So let me ask you what I'm sure is a common question. Breast milk is described as the perfect food. Why is it that babies who are breastfed awaken more often in the night? So there's two reasons why breastfed babies may be, have more wakings at night. One is that breast milk, which is absolutely best for baby, can get digested quicker than formula. So they may get hungry quicker. The other thing that happens is that nursing moms, I was a nursing mom, nursing moms, there is nothing easier in the world than nursing a baby to sleep. And so Mm. babies are much more likely who are breastfed to get into that habit of being fed to sleep. So when they naturally wake up during the night, we know they all naturally wake up during the night, they are more inclined to need to feed back to sleep. One thing we do know is that breastfed babies who are not nurse to sleep, sleep better, meaning they wake less often at night, they need less help going to sleep. We also know that breast um, babies who are breastfed is once the breastfeeding ends, you know, we recommend it up to a year, is that they then are exactly the same as formula fed babies or any babies. So, and I'm going to add one more tip to this, which is breastfeeding parents always want, and bottle feeding parents, they always want to tap off their child at the last possible second before bedtime. And there's no difference if your child's bedtime is at 7:30 between feeding at 7:25 and feeding at 7:10. It's not going to make it's not going to make them sleep longer or sleep better by doing you know waiting the like the extra 15 minutes. So the best tip for parents when they're at that little age where they're you know needing a feeding as part of their bedtime routine is to flip around the bedtime routine and do feeding first. So whether it's bottle or breast, do feeding, then do bath, then do some snuggling, lullabies, prayers, whatever you're going to do. And if you just make that subtle change, you're going to see sleep's going to improve. May I ask you, if a baby falls asleep while nursing, it, it seems counterintuitive to sort of wake the baby up and then put it into its crib to self-soothe to sleep. So what do you do in that case? So if it's a once in a while thing, and your baby is a great sleeper, I wouldn't do anything. You know, we always say if it's working, don't mess with it. But if your baby is a baby who's falling asleep nursing most of the time and then waking during the night and needing to nurse back to sleep, you know, doing one last diaper change is a perfect way to do it. So do a diaper change, wake them a little bit up, then put it and And now they're not going to wet themselves through, or, you know, earlier in the evening and then just put them down awake. Thank you to Dr. Jody Mindell, who wrote the book on pediatric sleep, Sleeping Through the Night, now in its fourth updated printing. She joins us again next time and in part three of our chat with Dr. Mendel. Bedtime routines are so important and they're important on so many levels. We'll look into them. Don't miss it. And remember tonight, Sleep Stories with Aaron Davis, me, right here on Drift.
Hence, sweet dreams.